0: How to Move from Grief to Relief After Losing a Loved One with the author of Loving Life After Loss, Marie Alisi, on episode number 177 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller.
1: that I will be creating the most beautiful and happy life I possibly can for those two boys. It was my mission. It was my promise that Rob and I had made to each other before he passed. Not even knowing that that would happen one day, we had this talk that if something would ever happen to either of us. Hi, this is Kelly Calabrese, and I help women become intentionally fabulous. My mission is to help women going through any stages of separation and divorce to go from fearful to fearlessly pursuing what sets their soul on fire. Here on Dr. Brad Miller's podcast, the Beyond Adversity Podcast,
0: his mission is to help you to crush adversity and discover your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. What a privilege, what a honor it is to have you join me today on this podcast where we are all about helping you to grow through what you go through, helping you to navigate adversity, achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We invite you to head over to our website, drbradmiller.com, where we have a free gift for you there. And you can check out over 170 episodes of this podcast, which helps you to deal with Things like depression or divorce or disease or debt or even death. That's our focus here today is, believe it or not, death of a loved one and how that impacts our life. Our guest today is Marie Alisi, and she has the book, Loving Life After a Loss. And in our conversation, we're going to talk about her process that she used to deal with the loss of her husband, which was a devastating loss in her life and what she did. So we're going to learn a few things here today. We're going to learn about finding how important it is to find a safe place to process your grief, that you don't have to be alone on a journey of grief, and you need to have to find a space to shower yourself with love and support and a time to do that to allow yourself that struggle. You're going to learn that. You're going to feel the emotion that Marie talks about in losing her husband and all the terrible drama and trauma that was involved with that and then how that's impacts on so many people's life we're going to feel the deep deep loss and what the process is to recover from that when we come back on the other side of the interview we're going to talk about some specific things that you can do to overcome grief overcome death in your life and to have great joy in your life, if you believe it or not, even after going through a time of grief. So come back to us after the interview for more about what you can do. We're here to be helpful to you and to navigate adversity in your life. And Marie Alisi and her book, Loving Life After Loss. And her website, MarieAlisi.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-A-L-E-S-S-I.com has plenty of resources to be helpful to you as well. Right now, our guest on Beyond Adversity, Marie Alisi, the author of Loving Life After a Loss. Let's get into that conversation right now. Marie Alisi, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brad. I'm really looking forward to our chat today.
0: Well, it it should be awesome. You're coming to us from uh, Australia. Uh, What place in Australia are you talking to us from today, Marie?
1: Literally just south of Sydney. After a beautiful, gorgeous day, I'm talking to you from the 22nd of October already. Oh, okay. (laughs) I feel like one day ahead.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I'm I'm calling. It's it's really... Well that it's is so awesome. Beautiful. I'd love yeah. to love to go there sometime and visit and uh I'm calling from beautiful suburban Indianapolis, Indiana and we are able to make this connection so to, to share some similar insights to uh things that matter, the things that matter in people's life including when they have an adversity such as a loss in their life. And we're here to talk today about yeah. some of the things that you have experienced personally and how you could be helpful to others. But let's hear a little bit about your story, Maria, about how you experienced a loss in your life and how that changed everything.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for, for giving me this opportunity. I always love sharing the story because my story is one full of hope and that's exactly what I want to spread into the world here. So. I had various losses in my life, two very, very significant ones. One was my dad when I was 20 and the other one very, very unexpected of my husband when we were both 45. So that was, you know, literally the prime of his life, very unexpected. There was no pre-warning or anything like that. He wasn't sick. He was absolutely fit, surfing, you know, like loving life. And Rob went on a business trip and never came home. And it was just an absolute unexpected and shocking message, as you can imagine, when one day he was supposed to wake me at 7.30 in the morning. And I remember waking up at 7.31, looking at the clock, thinking something happened. I could feel it in my heart. I had this tiny little niggle. I didn't pay attention to it because I didn't want to. I ignored it all day. But all morning, I had been trying to get in touch with him I've been trying to call him text him and my brain kept coming up with more and more excuses what could have happened you know maybe he left the phone in a hotel maybe he lost it in a cab I had this flashback of a memory when Rob and I got married on the way back to our hotel after the wedding he left his phone in the in the cab he lost it on our wedding day. Mm. So that came back to me and I thought maybe maybe he lost it in the car, you know. The longer I didn't hear from him, the more my anxiety was rising. And then I eventually contacted the hotel where he was staying and I explained that I was his wife. I said, please don't think I'm one of those freak-out wives stalking her husband. But I know in my heart something must have happened because he didn't get back to me. And I asked the staff, could you please send somebody up to his room? And while I was ringing them, it's something I couldn't share with the hotel because I thought they they must think I've lost my marbles. Literally, I had this vision of Rob collapsing in the shower. It was a very brief, short vision. And as I was ringing them, I said, "And please check in the shower." And that's where they found him. Oh my!
0: So, yeah. Wow, just how devastating! And let me just let me just share from my perspective. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for for your loss. That you experienced and the devastation that you had, you got that probably most terrible of phone calls that almost any person can have, and you initiated it, mm-hmm. and you had some sense of some sense of something that happened here, and mm-hmm. everything changed. So, what uh, what changed for you at that moment? What were the impact for you of this devastating loss?
1: What happened that very moment when I then received the phone call because it was another three to four hours before I finally received the phone call because they've got the protocol. Police is actually not supposed to tell you over the phone. They were constantly trying to get somebody to come to our house, but we don't have a main police station in this little town where I live south of Sydney. So nobody was coming and I kept ringing and then the coroner's officer Made a executive decision and said, "I need to put her out of her misery because she obviously knows something's going on." And I was so connected with Rob; I just knew. You know, it was something that I felt. So, the moment I received that phone call, I often describe like a needle scratching over the record player while playing your favorite song, mm. and everything was silent. And in this moment of silence, it was almost like it was almost like all the power, all the Courage, Everything that I needed for this very moment was sucked right into me. It's such a bizarre way to describe it, but it was this gathering all my courage, all my power to get up. And the minute I got up, I switched into functioning mode. I really felt like something within me switched into functioning mode. And I had literally three seconds to prepare myself while I was walking down the stairs from our bedroom where I received that phone call what to say to my boys. Our boys were only 10 and eight at the time. They were oh, sitting on the couch waiting oh for me to take them to up or to their practice. They we're doing martial arts at the time. They were in their uniform already, you know, and I just asked them to put down their iPads because I put them on the iPads. I see the lovely do as a mom when, when you want them to be distracted because I knew I had to make a few phone calls. Sure. It's just by the look of my face, they just knew instantly that something big happened. And I, I, took them in my arms and I told them what happened and they fell apart and screamed and we we cried together and I held them. And, and there were two very significant sentences, one from my 10-year-old who, who said, who's going to look after us now, mum And I said, I will. I will look after you, Flynn. I literally said it twice. I still remember that so vividly. And Later on I realized how important that moment was for me that I said that out loud, if that makes sense. I really sure. needed I needed to say it out loud and they needed to hear it. And the other one was my eight year old who looked at me and said, He was sobbing. He's like, I'm only eight and I'm not gonna have a daddy anymore. And that really pierced my heart. That really broke me in that very moment. And and it was a moment for me where Something inside of me, I didn't realize it consciously back then, but I, I feel that very clearly now. Something inside of me in that very moment made a decision that I will be creating the most beautiful and happy life I possibly can for those two boys. It was my mission. It was my promise that Rob and I had made to each other before he passed, not even knowing that that would happen one day. We had this talk where us that if something would ever happen to either of us, promise me you'll create the happiest life possible for the boys. We always said that to each other. And and that was my mission right That's, there, right then.
0: And so you have released you. That was a really a pivotal moment for you, not only in your yeah. own grief, but in your sensibility towards your responsibility towards your two kids. That shifted too, didn't it, yeah. dramatically in terms of how are you going to do yeah, this?
1: Yeah, it, it doubled, literally yeah. it doubled in that very moment. You know, you take everything off. Yeah. And uh, that's what you do. That, that's a decision you make out of love.
0: Wow. And mm-hmm. so you had this devastating moment of an adverse life event that happened. And here on yeah. the Beyond Adversity podcast, we talk about these type of things happen when nobody escapes these type of things. It happens mm-hmm. to all of us, whether it's, yeah, you know, depression or maybe a divorce or maybe you lose a business or whatever it is or mm-hmm. a death in the family. It happens to all of us. And then we have to have a moment of grief and to kind of suck air and have that moment. And then people either get stuck, Marie, as many people do,
3: Mm
0: -hmm. and kind of stay in a, or or go into a spiraling kind of a situation of uh, decline or some Mm -hmm. destructive behaviors or things like that, or they do something about it. And I'm just interested if you experience any kind of the, kind of the situation of being You know, numb or stuck, anything along that line? And then what are some of the things that you did, some of the actions you took to respond Mm. to to the situation?
1: I think the only moment of numbness I literally had in all those years, in all those years, it's been three and a half years now, was the moment I heard the news. Literally the first few seconds, that was my numbness. And after that, it was functioning mode. And after that, it was decision time. You know, you have this moment where it's decision time and so many people are not aware of the choices they have. Often people stay stuck and stay numb and stay uh, sometimes even in depression or slide into depression and they don't realize that when they don't make the decision to heal, it's also a decision. Mm, Not making a decision already is a decision. So for me, the decision was to focus on healing. And most people if they make a decision towards that at all, they usually decide to grieve. And I never did. Mm, I'm not saying I never grieved. I never made the decision to grieve. I made the decision to heal. And the grieving is what happens along the way. But the compass is directed at something different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I didn't direct my compass towards grieving. I directed my compass towards creating happiness and beautiful memories for the boys. So Mm. what I did basically in a nutshell about that, that was another pivot in a moment, and I'm going to quickly share that because that's really important to the question you just asked me. What, what, where my actions is? About three weeks into it, after the funeral, about a week after the funeral, I had a nervous breakdown in the kitchen. I. Started yelling at the boys. I just need peace and quiet because they were pickering or was brushing their teeth, and he went louder and louder and louder, and I went louder and louder, saying, "I just need peace and quiet. I just need peace and quiet, please." I, and all of a sudden, I went into this spiral, and I could not stop myself anymore. I was saying it louder and louder until I was yelling it, until I was screaming it, until I was literally breaking down on the kitchen floor, whacking my kitchen cupboard, screaming. Pitch, tone on the top of my lungs, and then everything was peace and quiet. Mm. Not the way how I wanted it, but I needed peace and quiet. And I still remember this moment as it was like a pressure cooker moment. You know, so much has happened over these three weeks of hearing the news about my husband passing flying to the other side of Australia to identify his body, you know, driving around, informing his parents, obviously, before we flew over to identify his body. And like all the things that had happened and then the funeral and my mom came over from Austria because her flight was already booked. She was already due for a visit to come for my little one's first holy communion. So everything happened in those three weeks and I just collapsed. And in this moment, I had, I had no valve. That was my valve. I, I just... First, you know there was just everything just came out and in the very moment I knew I had to get help for this I did not want to do this alone I found a really amazing positive psychologist I worked with her for about four months and in those four months I, I sat in her office one day and so that was one very important action step to get help on to, to allow that in That that's huge that is really huge a lot of people don't know a, how to get help, and B, how to allow it in. That's even bigger. And as I was sitting in the office with her, I said to her how overwhelming I found it all these expectations of society, how I'm supposed to grieve, under quotation marks, you know, how they expect you to grieve, how they almost expect of you to fall apart and be in an absolute sadness and be numb or whatever the standards are. I did not fit that label of a widow. I didn't feel like a widow, although my husband had just died. I just could not conform to that label. And she looked at me and she said, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? Mm. And to my own surprise, the first word that came up was empowerment. And I was like, wow, I, I did not expect that. That is the answer that came from within. And I looked at her and I said, I think I need to write a book about this. And so I did, about a month after I um, not only wrote but published my book that had the title Loving Love After Loss, it not only became a number one bestseller, it also ranked in the top 100 of Australia. And then I took the boys travelling around the world, another really important action step. So action number one was I got help. Action number two was I wrote our story down. And action number three was I took the boys traveling around the world for two months. Wow! I wanted to get away. I needed a break. I wanted to go somewhere where we could create new and happy memories as the three of us, you know. And we traveled really well together. It was such a well-needed break from us, away from all the milestones that were coming, you know, the first Christmas, the first New Year's, the first birthdays without their dad. And I knew I had to do something that was happy you know i took them to the maldives and canary islands and universal studios and i took them to paris my son wanted to eat escargot in paris so we we went and did
0: that well so, you, yeah it was the i love the word incredible time. i love the word empowerment that you used that was what came to you yeah. out yeah. of a time of when you had your breakdown you were having that moment of just Excruciating pain that comes out, and I'm sure it was a little scary for your boys too to see you going through oh, through, through that. And yeah. th- you know that's something else. Then you have to, to deal with that. The you know the ramifications mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, but absolutely. that that sounded like that also got your attention, didn't it? You know your your, your breakdown mm-hmm. got your attention, and you knew that you had to do yeah. something about it. So you did the you did your your. Uh, and
1: it was ca- also a really beautiful moment to talk to the boys about that. Mm -hmm. what I felt and how scary it was for me as well, not just for them, and that I needed help too. I think it was a very pivotal moment for them to see it. I I wish I could have spared them to witness that, but at the same time, it was really a great opportunity to give us a moment to talk about that and to talk about emotions and what can happen with emotions when they go completely out of control after an adversity like that.
0: They so saw your real pain, and they have their real pain too. It comes out in yeah. whatever ways it may come out. But if you don't deal yeah. with your, if you don't deal with your pain, it's going to come out very likely in some unhealthy manners. Or people yeah. can stay yeah. submerged I mean, they- or try to be in denial or to just live only in their grief. And you have to grieve appropriately, yeah. and then put that in its proper perspective and get on with your life, which is what you yeah. in your life became this empowerment. Uh, process of then uh, mm-hmm. making sure you give a good life to, uh to your kids. And so th- that is awesome. Yeah. I love, I love to hear the action points that people take when they decide, you know, after their breakdown, mm-hmm. where they have to decide, okay, this is what I got to do. I'm going to go traveling and yeah. I get some therapy going to do what, what I need, need, uh, to do let's talk yeah. for a minute because that's kind of the the in a way the exterior things that you did you know you took the action so, the physical action if you will yeah. to go see yeah. the therapist to go traveling to yeah. universal and paris and the other things that that you uh you did and that is awesome i really am a believer you got to move you got to move in order to mm-hmm. you know if you're going to navigate through adversity you got to move you got to take action to move yeah but, but you got that that's kind of the outer life but i believe also see what you think on this, Marie. You also have to do some work on your inner life. You know, you have to do work on your, uh, on your mind and your spirit and Mm -hmm. your, the healthy aspects of of your body, yeah. let's talk a little bit about your inner life journey during this process of healing. I'm talking about yeah. uh, meditation or spirituality or religion mm-hmm. or anything that you yeah. did that helped you to connect up to your inner life. So, tell us a little, a little bit about what yeah. kind of things you did to connect with your uh, something greater than yourself to help you heal.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. Thank you so much for asking me that. For me, spirituality is really huge in this whole story. I. It took me a couple of months to consciously understand what I actually already felt within, to make sense of that, to put it into words for me. And then also to become brave enough to actually share it with the outside world as well, something that I had known and felt quite early into the journey. And I came to the conclusion this was Rob and my soul contract. We had a soul contract and that was the end of it. And I found so much peace in this and so much love in this. Like Rob already loved me beyond measure in this physical realm. You know, he was... Incredible! Like we were so in tune, we were so connected, and that connected that I felt when it happened. I I actually feel that I could tell them the time of death, which they put as a question mark in there because he was on his own. And I said, I, I think I can tell you when it happens if I actually woke up at that particular time. But apart from that, I I really felt in realizing that this was our sole contract. I realized. How much more love there even was from his end to do this for me. To, you know, to enter a soul contract where he would exit that early without seeing his boys grow up, without physically being there to see them grow up. And I realized also very quickly that this is way bigger than the three or the four of us. You know, this is so much bigger. What I have done with it now, what I have transferred that into, it's just so much bigger than us.
3: Mm.
1: And I feel a huge amount of gratitude. And I feel extremely humbled to be able to do what I do now. And also seeing that my boys are so proud of me and are my biggest supporter and love what I do. It's just really humbling, absolutely beautiful. So that's my...
0: I love what you're saying there about a soul contract. And just reminds me mm-hmm. of, uh, of the word covenant as well, which mm-hmm. is this uh, relationship between God or spiritual world and ourselves, which helps us mm-hmm. to navigate and to deal with the things in our life. And you had this soul contract, as you say, which means yeah. beyond, beyond self with, uh, with your husband, Rob. And then that's mm-hmm. helped to, to transform yourself into. Speaking in the lives of your, your your two boys particularly, it's made mm-hmm. a big difference for you, hasn't it? This uh, soul it connection, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's talk minute. Yeah. yeah. This that is so so awesome, and I'm so glad to hear that. I'm just a huge believer, Marie. That uh, besides you know taking action, which we've got to do to keep moving, we do have to connect with the inner life, yeah. and uh, we have to you know work on that. We have to be intentional about our uh, absolutely. Our, it's it's, our soul. it's not
1: just the intention; it's also the opening up to it because one thing that I always say when people say what changed for you after Rob passed I felt that my intuition went through the roof I felt so guided so looked after all the time and I already had quite a strong intuition beforehand yet was nothing compared to what I feel now it's like this inner knowing all the time what I need to do where I need to be where I need to go I need to do this with, you know, people that come on this journey with me, that support the mission of loving, love after loss, that support me with my children, even, you know, it's just incredible. The people that have been sent to me along the way, ever since Rob passed, I, I always feel looked after. Always, it's incredible. It's right. really incredible. I feel there is so many hidden gifts in adversity.
2: It's sure. Beautiful well, you,
1: when
0: we open our eyes to it. Well, that part of spiritual discernment is this connection with others. And you said that the people have come into your life to be uh, helpful mm-hmm. to you, and or you know, you've been put yeah. into the lives of other people to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's the emotional piece of this, I believe. This is you know where we start to connect not only kind of a head but also heart with others. That's part of the healing. Yeah. Process here. So I'm interested now, Marie, in connections with other people that have been helpful to you or that you see as part of what you teach uh, to others. What part do uh, loving, caring, uh, uh, emotional connections with others come to play. This might be with your kids or other family members or with friends or with family or perhaps with counselors or even mentorships or even, you know, mm-hmm. maybe other people's even a book from the past back like in your life. But let's talk about the emotional power of relationships for healing. The emotional what, sorry, of relationships? You we were breaking up there for a minute. Yeah, I'm just talking about the uh, friendships or relationships. You have the, the importance yeah. of them in yeah. your in yeah, your yeah, healing. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I got it. So people always or I shouldn't say always. I I heard people often say when you experience adversity like that, it often shows you who your true friends are. And I want to bring that message back with a disclaimer because I don't think that those friends who do leave your life after that or who do distance themselves a little bit more than they used to before, um, it doesn't mean that they're not your true friends anymore. It Mm. just means your life has changed so dramatically that it doesn't necessarily have to align with their lives anymore. You know, you are on such a new path and to then stand there in blame of, oh, you're not my true friend, doesn't seem to be fair to me. I can understand how you can feel like that sometimes when you are embarking on this new path that you feel in that moment I haven't chosen that. I actually believe on a soul level we have chosen that path, but that's a different story that I've just shared before anyway. But when you think about it as just from a neutral perspective, whether you feel you've chosen it or not, but from a neutral perspective, you are on a new path. They are still on the same path. It doesn't seem to be fair to say, hey, why are you not here with me now? Hmm. Why are, you not, why are you not getting me? Because they're still on a different path. They're still on their path. They're still on their journey. We all are on our journey. And some of our really, really close friends, they get it. And they can follow that path without having to change their path. And then there will be new people coming into that path because they are on that new path that you're on, if that makes sense. So I want people to who listen to this right now to keep an open mind and in particular an open heart about this judging others for not being in their lives anymore. Because there is no judgment necessary. There is just love and compassion. There is just empathy. And I have learned that, that not every friendship is meant to last. I have learned this in my early 30s. It was a really, really important lesson. And then I was really happy that I had already learned that lesson when Rob passed because there was no judgment from my end. There was no, oh, now I don't hear from you anymore or why you're not with me anymore or why you're not my friend anymore. There was just sending them love and compassion. I do all the understanding work because I did. And, you know, I think it's just the most important part is to keep your heart open and to keep your mind open that on this new path, you will need new people. And it's also beautiful that sometimes friends come in from way prior from your life that you haven't seen for a really long time. In my case, there's a really beautiful friend of mine that I have met 24 years ago when I first came to Sydney. And he has reappeared in my life. He hadn't met Rob, he knew him, but uh, we were not very close in the time when Rob was in my life. He was married, I was married, we hardly saw each other. We had very different lives. And all of a sudden, our lives were quite parallel. We were both single parents and we were both... Um, in a very different state of our lives. Interestingly enough, we both found ourselves in a state of grief. He's got a motorcycle funeral business. I work in loving life after loss. So we found <laughs> a lot more parallels. And he has sort of become like my next of kin, a really, really close friend of mine, you know, where it is just beautiful to have that love and support. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting it's that how a great relationship, you- but it's a really beautiful friendship that is so important for me because there's somebody else. That you can talk about things like parenting, et cetera, when you're on your own, you know. Sure.
0: Well, that's interesting how you framed the changes that, that, that go in your various friendships and relationships. To me, it yeah. it kind of seems like the nuanced difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy has mm. to do with you know how we feel sorry for someone and we yes. can, you know, be brokenhearted f- for them. But yes. empathy is being brokenhearted with someone where you go through yeah. things together, and those roles can shift and totally sometimes. Both. And if you can still yeah. understand that those things shift and you know not be judgmental but to try to know Mm -hmm. that you know really if you want to heal and especially in terms of emotional Mm -hmm. healing you know things like bitterness and you know regret and uh anger and hostility and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff is not helpful if you can have forgiveness and a sense of gratitude for what they can give you at the time that's helpful and then if you can then start to share that with others and I love how you share that nuance there and how, you know, some doors kind of close or Mm -hmm. shift and other doors Mm -hmm. open and that can be the case. And it sounds like you have done some things here to to find that pathway uh, for yourself. So you took some dramatic major action that you talked about there. And then Mm -hmm. you also had some, you know, the spiritual connection. And now we're talking about the emotional connection with other people. Let's talk a little bit now yeah. what I like to call the cognitive piece, which is kind of the mm-hmm. the mind. What I mean by that is what are some of the new uh, habits or practices mm-hmm. or patterns yeah. of life that you do now or the new mission that you have has impacted you? Tell us how you live your life uh, now that gives, you know, continues yeah. this process of healing and oldness.
1: I would love to share one very pivotal moment for that. So obviously, well, not obviously to people who don't know me, but I had worked as a mindset coach prior to Rob's passing. So I had all the tools available to me, which I felt really, really grateful for because when my dad passed and I was 20, I had no idea how to handle it. No idea because I wasn't trained in it. I, I wasn't a mindset coach. I had no idea. I had no tools available. I was falling apart back then. I did the classic trade of falling apart after losing him for about a year. And with Rob, A, I don't call losing it, losing him anymore. I call it when he passed, you know, when our full contract finished, whatever you want to call it, but I don't call it a loss anymore. But I had this pivotal moment after coming home from traveling around the world with the boys. They went back to school. So we're talking about eight months into it, you know, eight months of having every single thing planned from, you know, driving to his parents, uh, identifying his body, the funeral, the writing, the book, the traveling. There was action steps. Everything was planned. I always knew what was the next step, what would happen next. And then I came home and I know it knew the next step was for people going back to school, but I had nothing planned that was next for me. And that was the first moment where I felt like, wow, what do I do now? What do I do now? I had an appointment with a mentor, a new mentor, 10 days after I came back. But in those 10 days, I had no plan. And it hit me. It hit me unexpectedly. And I remember I was sitting on the floor in our living room and I felt this I still describe it as my the hole and the hill experience that I had. It was almost like a hole had opened up to me that I say would resemble depression, like it was really dark and I didn't want to go there. And to my left was that little hill of happy memories that I had created since Rob passed. And I felt I had nothing left to climb up there to have a better view. I really felt I was drained. I was exhausted. I felt how easy it could have been for me to slip into that hole, but I felt it scary, so I didn't even want to look there. So I found myself in the middle, and what I didn't realize at the time, and again, I only found words for that a couple of days later, I sat there and observed. And I still offer that as a tool to people who feel they've got nothing left and no power left or no strength left. I said, just sit and observe. Don't move in any direction. Just sit and observe and listen to your thoughts. And that's what I did. And I ordered these thoughts. I literally tried to make sense of these thoughts and to find a positive pendant to each negative thought that I had, if that makes sense. Sure. So I wasn't consciously aware of that I was doing that at the time, but I you know, went back later on thinking, how did I get out of that? What did I do? And I trace the steps that I did so I went into observation mode and I often offer that as a really great tool when you feel you've got nothing else left observe your thoughts and then I became my my inner best friend I really look after myself you know because you you often talk to yourself a lot more harmful than you would ever talk to your friends to your closest Mm -hmm. friends so I made sure that I would treat myself like my inner guidance Sure. that I would look after myself, that so I would watch my thoughts, that I would watch my language and teach the boys to do the same. I wanted to be a shining example for them. The mindset in all of that is huge. It's, I'd say, at least.
0: So it's great a to 9 hear. Out of
1: ten in importance yeah. for
3: all the so other So hugely yeah.
0: important for you to observe and to yes. impart into your life positive or helpful self-talk, uh, the yes. mindset shift, which you may or may not have yes. had prior, but you had to really be very aware and cognizant of this now, and you're helping to impart that into your sons. And I also know you're trying to impart this and to teach this to others through your book Mm. and through your courses and so on. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how you're trying to teach this process to other folks. Tell us a little bit about your book. And I know you have an online course and some other things that you offer. What are people going Mm -hmm. to find when they go to your website or when they can find out more about you that can be helpful to them to process uh, yeah. uh, so on, the grief of on a losing sorry. someone.
1: Oh, sorry, you were breaking up.
0: No, no, go, go ahead, please.
1: Yeah. So basically on the website, they literally find all the pathways to me, whatever they want to, to find so they can uh, get my book on there. They can find uh, how to join the group, Loving Life After Loss, They can find a way to book a chat with me. They find my whole history, my whole story, you know, and uh, also uh, podcasts, video talks, interviews, everything is on my website. So they literally find everything they want to know or want to learn about me or Loving Life After Loss. And in the group itself, this is really, for me, it's a very sacred space. I've created a safe space where people can really join uh, in to, to share their deepest inner And they will find so much love and support in this group. And I want to highlight this as a huge difference because most grief groups, grief support groups that I uh, looked for, they were full of messages like, there'll always be a hole in my heart. It'll never get better. I will always be crying for him. And I'm like, how on earth is this supporting that's not a support group. That's that's a pot where everybody whinges and stays stuck and suffering. And I'll say that with all due respect, but it's sure. not helping me. I was drained after two minutes in groups like that. I had to leave most of these groups because there is no help, no hope, no support, no happiness, no, hey, come on, we can do this. Nothing. It's just whose loss is fresher, more horrible, younger, The kids younger, you know, it was almost like a competition of who's suffering more and I thought this is not helpful. I wanted to create a space of loving life after loss, hence the title of the book, hence the title of the group because to me that's not just a call to action or a way of life. It's also a very good filter for those who come in because when you see a book title or a group title, Loving Life After Loss, you don't expect to go in there and stay back in suffering, or do you? So, you know, that that to me was um, important. And within the group, there's a free healing journey because I'm fully aware that everybody's in very different financial circumstances. Not everybody can afford to come to programs or retreats. Uh, So there's also a free healing journey available that really helps you with those first, few steps and tools that you need to really get yourself out of the darkness, to get this healing journey going, to open your heart to the possibility of healing. So I'll put this journey together where people can just watch the video step-by-step. It's called From Grief to Relief, very suitable. And they can do that for free when they're in the group. And then there's also, yeah, sorry.
0: I'm sorry. One more thing you have going on there. Yeah. So in the group, go ahead, please.
1: Yeah. There is the online program that I run, so it's really quite international. It doesn't quite cover the European time zone. We're still working on that because it's just very tricky for me to do that within school hours. That's where the UK and, and Austria and, and all these European countries go to bed, and, and really it's tricky. But I have, so my most, most of my clientele comes from the US, Canada, and Australia, and I run a, a program called Blank Canvas. And the Blank Canvas is eight weeks of healing into creation it is really about seeing what are the things still holding you back what are the things that you are still struggling with it is for people who have done a certain amount of healing and just don't know how to really get out of it or how to really move forward into creation and when I'm saying creation I'm talking about creating the life that you want I do some amazing uh virtual portal exercises with them imagine going through this portal of creating what you actually want in life you know people i i took this uh, based on this amazing book by anita moriani dying to be me where she describes this exercise not exercise but her near-death experience where she she was standing at something that she described as a portal, and that gave me the idea to actually do like a virtual portal exercise so that you don't need to have a near death, death experience to actually imagine how life can be like for you. You can mm. do that at any given so, time. Yeah, so, I'll guide people through this exercise, and um, yeah, it's, it's just really a number incredible. of uh, eight weeks.
0: All this is on your uh, website, Maria Alisi. It's
1: all on my website. People
0: can read all the details on the program on there. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: last but not least, also on the retreat. So the, at the moment, the retreat is only available in Australia.
0: With sure. COVID,
1: it was pretty much impossible to take right. it anywhere right. outside of Australia for well, now. Yeah. But uh, Just who knows a, in a, the future?
0: got a whole lot of resources there, and we'll put a yes. link to uh your website on our website, drbradmiller.com. And so people can find yeah. out more about you there. Just one more thing, Marie, tell us a story about at least one person who's gone through some of your teaching or training and has had a transformation. Let's hear an example of oh. someone who's had a transformation.
1: I can't think of so many, but one one that I want to pick because she's, So close to my heart. And she has also now allowed me to share her story. She was not ready to share that uh, just as yet a few months back. But now she's like, use my testimony, use my name. I'm more than happy. Uh, Her name is Terry. And she came to me shortly after she lost her son, Ryan. And she went from really a space of absolute darkness. And she said, I was numb. I had no voice. I didn't know how to express myself, how to make sense of what he had done and what had happened and how he had left. And she was literally just in numbness, completely stuck and no words. And I remember I reached out to her one day and we were on the phone for like one and a half hours and she cried and she had nothing. She she even said in hindsight, Marie, I did not think that you could ever help me. And now she is one of, my biggest supporter. She's in my mod squad. She was actually the one who named our team of moderators, mod squad. I love it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've got a team that supports me there in in the group, and she's one of them. And she just she's such a shining example of 180 degrees transformation in her oh, life. Wow. She has found her voice. She's got an extremely beautiful way of expressing herself, of sharing stories in our group. She shared one this morning. That really touched my heart, and where she really she's such an advocate for loving life after loss, like literally for the philosophy of loving well, that life is, after loss.
0: That is awesome, Incredible. To, absolutely uh, incredible. Awesome to hear, and there I know there's some other yeah. uh, stories on your website as well, and mm-hmm. it yeah. just shows that there's a need out here for help people to process mm-hmm. their grief in a safe place, and that is certainly what you offer. A number of resources, and I'm sure an incredible yeah. story here today, uh, Marie on The Beyond Adversity Podcast, and we thank you for being with us. And I would certainly uh, commend your work, your book, and your website to those thank who you. are experiencing a loss in their life, and and to reach out to her or to somebody, reach out to somebody to be uh, to find to take your yeah. first step towards healing. She is all about helping yeah. people to not be alone in this process, to find a safe mm-hmm. place to process grief, and to find a loving life after a loss a place of hope and healing and happiness. Her name is Marie Alisi, and we thank her for being our guest today here on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. A profound conversation there with Marie Alisi, the author of Loving Life After a Loss. She blogs at Marie Alisi. M-A-R-I-E-A-L-E-S-S-I dot com. Lots of resources there for you. So we talked a little bit to, today in our conversation about what we can learn about having a safe place to grieve and a process. And you don't need to do that process alone. And we certainly heard about how painful the grief process is and about how we can feel that. You heard the emotion and Marie's story. But let's talk right now for what you can do about it. Marie has a seven-day online course, and she also offers other, other offerings like a three-day retreat. But it's all about discovering your hidden gift of adversity. And her mission is to uncover them so you can utilize your gifts of adversity to heal yourself and to share them with others and to move yourself from grief to relief. Her book, Loving Life After a Loss, is a great place to start, but she's got other resources, an online course and retreats and other things that you can do. And I encourage you to do just that to help you deal with the adversity of grief. Here at Beyond Adversity, we help you deal with all kinds of adversity. It can be grief, of course, of death, or it might be any of the other five D's that we talk about. They're depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. And we have over 170 episodes of our podcast over at drbradmiller.com, where you can check those out, where people can speak into your life. That's what I do. That's what my mission is, to help people to overcome adversity and to find their way through, the the, the way to grow through what they go through. A free gift for you, Dr. Brad Miller. Check that out. And stay tuned to us every week as we bring you other great teaching, leadership, and conversation with leaders who can speak into your life and help you to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Enjoyed it with you. So, until next time, friends, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to always do all the good that you can.
2: Thank you for listening to the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You can find a complete archive of all episodes at drbradmiller.com. That's drbradmiller.com. Or subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts and never miss an episode. Each week, we bring you a message to crush adversity and live your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose.